Welcome to the Only Dream Big podcast, starring your host, Donnie Bedney. Only Dream Big is a podcast where Donnie will share tips and experiences on different topics, such as acquisition entrepreneurship, human capital, and the future of the workforce. He is the president of PSP Metrics and has been in the assessment and human capital management industry for more than 15 years, with the goal of driving change through people. As your guide on dreaming big, let's hear from the man Back himself. everyone to another episode of the Only Dream Big podcast. I am your host, Donnie Bedney. Uh, so excited uh, for this conversation today uh, with a good buddy of mine, Rob Marty. Uh, just has uh, just some more nuggets, but you know we're gonna we're gonna focus a little bit today uh, on a topic that we haven't necessarily talked about, um, you know, before. So, Rob, thanks for joining the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me, Donnie. I'm excited to be here. So, uh, just hopping in. I mean, you know, it, one, can you talk to us? I guess or or give an intro uh, about you know some of the things that you do, uh, or maybe even, um, cause it was, it was a pleasant surprise for me to learn that, you know, outside of, I'll say your, your nine to five, cause you, <laughs> you clearly have, um, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about this, you know, and, and you have some passion for health. Uh, but it turns out that, uh, you've also competed, uh, on, on, you know, a level that I had no idea when we first met, um, you know, from a fitness perspective and stuff. So, uh, I don't want to lead you too much down uh, that road, but um, can you talk to the people a little bit about, you know, one, what you do, um, you know, specifically, uh, you know, when you think about helping organizations, but then also talk a little bit personally uh, about your kind of fitness journey, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I I love storytelling. I think that um, the more that you get to know people and the more you know about yourself, the better story you tell. And so, when I think about painting the picture of how I've gotten to know you, what I do as a professional, and my backstory, I generally paint a very similar picture. So I was raised on a dairy farm in Wayne County, Ohio, a dairy farm that has 330 black and white cows or the Holstein cows. Um, in my eighth grade biography, I wrote, I love my parents' farm, but I know I don't want to be a farmer. I want to work with people. <laughs> I played football. I was a 152-pound offensive and defensive lineman in a small farm school, and I got my butt kicked. I had nerve damage, patellar tendonitis. My body was a wreck, and therefore, I saw a physical therapist. My physical therapist went to Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania. So I said, I want to be a physical therapist. I'm going to Slippery Rock. It was the only school I applied to. Got in, went to Slippery Rock. They had a 3 plus 3 program. So three years for your bachelor's in exercise science and three years for your doctorate of physical therapy. Doing the college thing, realizing that exercise science and especially what Slippery Rock taught was more of where I wanted to be. Um, they were talking about corporate wellness and preventative health. And wow, like what a market that is today. And at that time, I realized I really wanted to go down that rabbit hole. I didn't, nothing against PT. It provides a phenomenal service. It has a place in the market, but mm. proactive health, heaven forbid, we help people lose weight before they need the knee replacement or before mm. they need, you know, shoulder reconstruction. Um, so I, 
I graduated with my bachelor's in three years in exercise science, and I took a paid role down in D.C. working for Verizon Wireless doing corporate wellness. Um, mm. Fast forward to the next nugget of my life that's meaningful for folks to know is I was hired in Ohio to work with folks with IDD, intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I was hired to do corporate wellness for them and for the staff who served them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you know me, you know that I'm deeply involved in the IDD community, be it the Special Olympics or advocacy for improved health care and health equity for mm -hmm. folks who have trouble getting to the hospital or just don't receive the same quality of care because of their inability to communicate with their physician. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when I went back to school to get my master's in healthcare administration while continuing to work with that population of people and try to introduce health and wellness for them. Mm -hmm. um, ended up getting extremely burnt out. So when we're in settings talking about burnout and employer engagement and stuff like that, it's something that I'm personally familiar with. Sure. It it was entirely too easy to just dump myself into that role because it was something that spoke to my passion. Mm. Um, so eventually I had to step away from that position, I had graduated with my master's and found myself in Pittsburgh, which is where I'm at today. It's how I've met you um, through yeah. Disrupt HR, Pittsburgh's chapter. Um, and I am the chief operating officer of case-specific nutrition which is a health and wellness company. Our dietitians provide personalized nutrition advice for individuals and for companies because a diet is a cookie cutter and no two people, Donnie and Rob, we're not the same. Our nutrition yep. shouldn't look the same. And so when yep. we're seeing this supplement industry continue to grow and say, you have to buy this every month if you want to keep this weight loss off or you have to follow this type of diet to be healthy, we're saying, no, no, we want to know what a day in the life looks like, what your health history is, what foods you like. Mm -hmm. Do you got kids at home that you're also cooking for? Do you got a spouse mm -hmm. or partner who only likes a certain type of food? What brings you joy? Because your health should bring you joy. And there's a way mm -hmm. to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And then in line with case specific, we also have case specific meal prep, <laughs> which is a meal prep company here in Pittsburgh. So yeah, nice. it's just a, a lot. And then to answer your last question, I started competing at um, Slippery Rock. They had a bodybuilding club. And obviously we had found out I'm not an athlete because I got my butt handed to me playing football. But bodybuilding, it you can either say no to the foods you're not supposed to eat and have that regimen and go to the gym or you don't. And so I've mm -hmm. always found that to be, to really speak my language because I am a regimented scheduled person. Um, mm -hmm. And in college, it was extremely unhealthy. I, I had an eating disorder. Um, but thankfully, it turned into something where today, the reason I continue to compete mm -hmm. is both for my own personal um, growth, but it's also yeah. for professional growth in the sense of when you commit yourself to something, mm -hmm. be it a marathon or competing as a bodybuilder or finishing another degree, starting a company, mm -hmm. you're you're undergoing additional stress intentionally. And if you can still reflect your values and be the, the father and the mm -hmm. person and the friend that you want to be under that increased stress, you can do it when your life's easier. Mm -hmm. So I continue to compete because it means that if I can eat a regimented diet and go to the gym every day yeah. and still be the person I want to be when I have a challenging employee 
or a corporate contract that has went sideways and you got to renegotiate. Yeah. Then I can do that when I'm eating what I want to be eating, you know, and <laughs> relaxing a little more. So yeah, that's why I've continued to compete. And actually this year in April, I won my pro card. So that that's been a long time coming and I'm really proud of that. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so many, uh, <laughs> you know, pieces and obviously your story, uh, you know, I believe is unique, um, you know, in that. Um, you know, talk to us about like how you, I mean, I know you said you, you got introduced to it, I guess in college, but you know, the idea of, you know, bodybuilding, um, you know, and kind of, I'll say just establishing, you know, that you're going to compete, right. It's probably like, you know, establishing a goal, right. But you know, your first time, no difference. I mean, how did, how did you go about, um, you know, even learning about like, what does that even mean? Right. When I think of bodybuilding, it's just like, okay, you know, extremely, uh, you use the word regimented. I was thinking strict, you know, like chicken breast and asparagus, maybe, I don't know, maybe brown rice. Um, (laughs) you know, what what is, how how did you learn, um, you know, and, and when you set the goal, I guess, initially of saying like, Hey, I want to compete, how did you go about kind of breaking down, I guess, what, what even the goal was, was it was just to enter a competition and like, that was it, or was it early on? Did you decide like, Hey, I want to actually get my pro card one day, or like, was that clear or was it just something that kind of grew, you grew into? Oh, man. Well, first, you hit the nail on the head with public perception, right? Because chicken, brown rice, asparagus, that's what most people think. It's also why (laughs) most people look at me and they don't think bodybuilder. And it's because Mm -hmm. I don't portray a lot of those attributes that bodybuilders portray. And so I I personally don't want to be portrayed as a bodybuilder because when most people think of the sport, they think mass monster, somebody who is ergogenically um, much larger than you can be without aid. They think um, kind of a tough guy or tough girl in the gym, like get out of my way. I'm here to train, throwing weights, screaming. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also think like outwardly, demonstrative of their attributes so like you got to be in a stringer that shows your chest and you know look at me kind of thing and i'm quite the opposite you know i Mm -hmm. cover up and i wear big hoodies at the gym and that's my comfort place um and and i do that because for me bodybuilding is about the mental and the physical stress that it provides me to help me grow when i was younger i actually had friends who competed in bodybuilding in high school and so i watched these guys compete while I was playing football and 16, 17, 18 years old. One of my really good friends actually was Mr. Teen Ohio, which was a title that I then won from him the next year. Wow. But as a teenager, you could compete until you were 19. So I was in college when I won that. Um, And so I was introduced to it at a young age, got to Slippery Rock and they had a club. And Mm so one of the senior club members came and said, you should really join this. And I was like, I've had friends who have done this. It's not for me. And he's like, reconsider. Um, hmm. And so they ended up, I already had the the group. I, yeah. I knew a coach because of my high school um, friends and the coach that mm-hmm. they used. Um, he was a coach who told you to eat 
asparagus, chicken, brown rice. Um, it was the very stereotypical approach. And for that reason, during that time in my life, it was a very unhealthy behavior. Mm. Right. And you hear about that all the time with bodybuilding that people, they don't eat enough or they use mm. drugs and supplements that they don't understand and that they have a toxic relationship with food. Um, and that's because the perception is, is that you have to suffer and to, to be yeah. this sport figure. You know, even yeah. when you see promotions for supplements, it's like uh, motivation without pain. What does it matter? Or something, you know, just like, no, that, sure. that's not right. And so yeah. I, I'm a huge believer in the concept of you never know the value of a relationship or the length of it, right? Like how you and I have connected. I didn't know I'd be sitting here with you today. Andrew Wade, who is the mm-hmm. owner of Case Specific Nutrition, mm-hmm. him and his wife co-founded it in 2013. I yeah. met Andrew when he was completing his um, dietitian internship master's level cert at Smucker's, the jam and jelly place in Orville, Ohio. Oh, okay. I was back at my parents for the summer. I was his first client. I was the first client for Case Specific Nutrition. He founded wow. that company and I paid him cash to write me a bodybuilding diet. Huh. That's when I transitioned from bro science, yeah. which is a fun way of saying eat what I've eaten based yeah. off of how it's gotten me success instead of here is a wealth of clinical nutritional information. Yeah. We have multiple options. You know, it doesn't have to be chicken. It can be fish. It doesn't have to be brown rice. It can be whole grain pasta. X, Y, and Z doesn't have to be asparagus. It can be broccoli. And for the first time, I was told it's not about necessarily eating specific things. It's about the macronutrients and the calories that you're getting from it, right? Because what are the goals of competing? Losing body fat, especially as a natural athlete, losing body fat while maintaining as much muscle mass as possible. Mm -hmm. And maintaining enough energy to be a functioning human being. There, yeah. there are custom ways to do that. And so mm-hmm. when Andrew wrote me my first diet, it was like six pages because hmm. it had substitutes yeah. with the weights that you could substitute. So like substituting white, um, a white potato for a sweet potato for a half a cup of oats and how all of those could be inserted into a meal based off mm. what I wanted to eat. Versus my one-page, double-spaced diet from my bro scientist, which said for breakfast yeah. I was to eat six egg whites and a half a cup of oats, yeah. half a cup of oats. Yeah. For lunch, I was supposed to eat six ounces of orange roughy, which before I oh, yeah. met him, I didn't even know what orange roughy was. The reason that you're supposed to eat that type of fish, quote unquote, was because it um, wasn't a bottom dweller. Just like no, all sure. stuff that is rather, rather irrelevant when it comes to dieting for a bodybuilding show yeah and so what i like to highlight there is my experience as a bodybuilder is Mm -hmm. most people's experience with weight loss and health and wellness and even healthcare. sure you know our doctors are diagnosing us as pre-diabetics or diabetics and giving us a book and saying eat more vegetables Mm -hmm. you should be sitting down with somebody learning what that means for you and how your work your life, your relationships influence how you should eat. If if you're somebody who, you know, wants to be vegan or vegetarian, 
for ethical purposes because of humane animal treatment and that's just a goal of yours, you should be able to get a diet that meets those needs. If you're somebody who wants to include protein in their diet, there's a way to do that that meets your needs. And those Mm -hmm. conversations aren't being had. We're buying into Weight Watchers and keto diets and all these different things because it's just pushed at us. And it's Mm -hmm. here's your here's your sample template insert now. Yeah. It's got to be specific to you. And I, mm. I learned that the hard way with my competing. It was night and day difference. Okay. So, I mean, we have a bunch of uh, professionals, right? Uh, whether entrepreneurs or, you know, uh, corporate professionals, et cetera, that, um, you know, who, you know, it, at least at their regular listens of, of the pod know now that uh, after our episode with, um, Dr. Jeff Williamson, that uh, they have time, right? Yep. So we've, we've oh, yeah. removed yeah, the yeah. time excuse, uh, you know, from them. So we, we know that we have at least 400 hours, uh, which means that, you know, they could probably move towards their dream body, whatever whatever that is, and, you know, being healthy and, you know, those kind of things. You know, it, talk to us a little bit, because you mentioned how regimented you are. You know, it, it, how do you fit in, you know, working out, uh, you know, the food that you eat, um, you know, even sleep, right? Uh, you and I have had conversations about the importance of sleep. Uh, and I know it's come up a couple of times on the pod earlier. Uh, you know, how much do you sleep? Right. So first, Dr. Williamson's podcast with you was phenomenal. I love the concept of taking a, you know, thorough analysis of how we spend our time and going, oh my gosh, yeah, this is, this is a fixed mindset. I do not, yeah. I didn't realize that I had all this time. Clearly I yeah. can do these things, but I also extend an overwhelming amount of gratitude and grace towards people. Because from a health mm-hmm. standpoint, when we think about our time, mm-hmm. even with that time, the amount of health education that's out there causes mm-hmm. paralysis. You know, there was, mm-hmm. that's, there was a food market study that was done And if you had three peanut butters, people would try one and buy it. But if you had 11 peanut butters, people would try it and not buy it because there was option paralysis, too many options. Hmm. When we think about our health and well-being, there are too many options. So even when you have that free time, you don't know where to begin. You don't know how to start. And as professionals and entrepreneurs, I love that we are all hyper aware of our environment Mm -hmm. shapes our success. Sure. We know that when we're yeah. when we're building a company and we're trying to set the culture and mm-hmm. establish contracts, your environment determines your ability to grow and scale. Sure. It is no different with your health. And the most important thing is sleep, hands down. And that's not talked about. And mm. why isn't it talked about? Because America runs on Dunkin'. Go get your caffeine. <laughs> you can sleep when you're dead. Grind culture, sure. baby. Go, go, go. No, 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 no. Mm. Your environment starts with a good night's sleep. And that conversation simply isn't happening. Sleep is wow. king. It's more yeah. important than your exercise. It's more important than your nutrition. Everything mm. is important. Sleep's not going to fix the other two if they're not taking place. Yeah. But from the likelihood of you waking up and having the energy and the mm. willpower and the decision-making ability to say, I'm going to eat better or I'm going to exercise, it starts with sleep. And most of us aren't having that environmental component taken care of. 
yeah. then we beat up on ourselves for not doing the other two. Wow. Well, you're waking up at 80% charged, 70% charged, and you're yeah. trying to start a new behavior, like not going through McDonald's for your breakfast. Yeah. You're starting off on the wrong foot. Your environment's already screwed up. How you much start- should people sleep? That is a great question. That is a great, great, great question. So the minimum, mm-hmm. the bare minimum, and one of my favorite books of all time, I've read it like three times, it is a long listen, is mm-hmm. Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. Okay. I, I'm such a nerd when it comes to it, but it, honestly, it'll change your life because it's okay. addressing every stigma and every un- incorrect perception that we have on sleep because we have so many of them. It talks about caffeine. You consume mm-hmm. caffeine within six hours of bedtime. Mm-hmm. It affects your sleep quality. You're going to get less deep sleep. Wow. So now we have a conundrum, right? So. Yeah. You're already tired, so you're consuming caffeine late in the day, so mm-hmm. it's affecting your quality of sleep, so you're waking up less rested, so you're consuming yeah. caffeine late into the day, so you're waking up less well-rested. And wow. meanwhile, people are looking at caffeine as the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are condensing their sleep to wake up and go to the gym, all of our new year, new me people come in here in a couple of weeks, how many of them already get crappy sleep because... They work rotating shifts or they're trying to start a new business or they got to get their child off to daycare. So the only time they can do it, going back to the time concept, is that 30 minutes of sleep. So they're waking up 30 minutes earlier. If you get fewer than six hours of sleep, so if you're waking up to exercise, this is taking place. Instead of burning something like 80% fat Mm -hmm. and 20% lean muscle, if you don't have the glucose stores and everything else you're supposed to have, which is essentially what happens when you work out in the morning because you're probably fasted. You're sure. going to instead burn something closer to 50% fat and 50% lean muscle. So oh, your wow. body is turning to your muscle to fuel those fasted, sleep-deprived workouts. Mm. You're better off getting that sleep. Yeah. So going like for it. a walk for lunch than trying to get up and go to the gym. So providing that education for people and then the, the risk of disease. When you're getting fewer than six hours of sleep, um, your body processes glucose like you're a pre-diabetic the following day. Mm-hmm. Um, most times it it affects your short-term memory. So I always tell parents mm-hmm. especially, yes, during those that initial year, six months mm-hmm. to a year, your sleep is going to be chaotic. But then yeah. after that, once that young one's sleeping through the night, maybe yeah. you haven't got back to that routine sleep schedule. It is important that you do so. Because if mm. you don't get at least six hours, you're probably not converting your short-term memory to long-term memory. You're not uh, going to remember your baby's yeah. days. And that, so what I do there is I hit people in the feels. Yeah. That, that's a big how one. we get, I, I learned this, um, and I'd like to show this. I learned this with my very first client at Slippery Rock. Um, mm. And I, I can't put value to this relationship because mm-hmm. it could have easily not happened. And I'm so thankful that it did. So mm-hmm. here I was 20 years old and I just learned how to do push-up tests and aerobic capacity tests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you 20 year old guy in college, like it's how much can you bench? How much can you deadlift? Let's go. And yeah. I've got this guy sitting across from me who's in his mid seventies. He had served overseas. He had back and joint pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking I'm going to get this man to do push-ups and bench press. We're going to get strong. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I asked him, first question we were trained to ask, 
you know, without really realizing the implications was, what do you want to get from this? Right. Mm. So not asserting my, my beliefs or what I thought I wanted for him or what he might want, Mm -hmm. but just asking, what do you want to get from this experience? And to Mm. this day, I get goosebumps when I share this. He said, I want to be able to play with my grandkids without my back locking up or getting out of breath. I want to maintain my health so I can see them grow up. That's a great thing. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's great. why people make any kind of change in their life. That's yeah. why you focus on sleep. That's why you drink more water and go to your annual wellness visit and meet with a dietitian, meet with the mental health yeah. therapist. That's yeah. why you break outside of the stigmas that exist because you're not going to let societal pressures determine your ability to see your grandkids yep. or spend time with your loved ones. Mm. Nothing keeps you from that. Nothing will keep you from that, you know? And I think that that's just a totally unique way of thinking. We're not thinking that way. And we need to get yep. back to what drives people and care yep. enough to listen to them. That's great, man. I mean, it, you know, definitely, uh, you know, it, Reminds me, I guess, of, you know, things like Simon Sinek, you know, start with why and, you know, all of those things, um, yeah. you know, when it comes to, you know, what what can drive people to, you know, do amazing things, you know, un- unpacking, uh, you know, for a little bit. Because we don't have a ton of time uh, together today. Uh, we always say we need more time. So um, as, as you think about just kind of breaking down. um you know, a goal, especially like something that's, you know, physical, right? And so this is mm-hmm. this is one of the first times we really, you know, had somebody on that we could talk to about, you know, physical health. Um, you know, we we have a lot of leaders on and talking about a bunch of different things. But, you know, as folks think about um, you know, just let's say just taking a step, right? Taking their right. first step towards, you know, uh doing a little bit better physically, you know, what are what are some uh, you know, just some some tips, uh, you know, quote unquote, that they could start tomorrow, right? And and maybe let's even say start tonight, since sleep is so foundational. Um, you know, what are some things that that literally our listeners can can go and like just start tomorrow? Just one step, you know, two steps, you know, that that uh, they could just start literally tomorrow. Yeah, I I love this question. I'm going to give you a list of my favorites. the The first thing that I encourage everybody to do to frame how they're going to mm-hmm. pick their goals, right? Because like even before you start a goal, you got to determine what goals you're going to do. Yeah, sure. There's so many. Um, yeah. Never start with your largest crutch, the things yeah. that you're most emotionally and empathetically, you know, enrolled in. Like for mm-hmm. some people, that's smoking. Smoking okay. is what you do on your worst days. And yes, society is telling you, you got to quit smoking, but you've Mm -hmm. got a slew of other unhealthy behaviors, things that you could do to promote your health. Start there because you're less emotionally and less physically ingrained with them. And some people might have a unique perspective on that. But what we're trying to do here is set people up for success. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. as you help people with the easier things, quote unquote, easier Mm -hmm. because easier is perception. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a better foundation that would increase the likelihood that once they're ready to quit smoking or quit drinking or start going to a gym instead of mm-hmm. walking at home or addressing sleep, addressing food, that they're mm-hmm. more likely to succeed. 
when you start with the biggest thing and then somebody fails, mm -hmm. they're not coming back to you as a clinician or a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And they've now experienced loss and we are loss adversive creatures. Yeah. So we got to help people understand that, yes, ultimately we do want you to get it down to drinking one to two nights a week instead of every night. And we yeah. do want you to get consistently seven hours of sleep, mm -hmm. but we can start off at making sure we just get six or quitting the smoking. Mm -hmm. But right now, what we're really going to start with is every morning when you wake up and your feet hit the floor, you're going to have eight ounces of water on your bedside and you're going to toss that water back to start your day. Why? Okay. Because it's free. It's convenient. You should do it every day. And drinking water first thing in the morning mm -hmm. is going to help you have a healthy bowel movement. It's going to help mm -hmm. with inflammation. It's going to help with pain management. It's going to help with energy. Mm -hmm. It's going to help you start your day. That's all for today, folks. See you next time.